I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Give yourself a delicious escape from the afternoon with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Dom, good morning. Here we are again. Hello, good morning, good morning. Here we are again, bright and early. Fancy meeting you here. <laughs> Come here often? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm great at pickup lines, clearly. Yeah, yeah, so it would, so it would seem. <laughs> what, are, what are your top, do you have like a top pickup line? I don't. I really don't. I'm I'm quite bad at it. You know I'm bad at flirting. You are bad at flirting, but I I'm I don't think I've ever seen you use a pickup line. I'm interested to see you like at a bar, whiskey in hand, and you see a cute guy and wander over and say, "Hey." It would clearly be a pun of sorts. I it, it I have it would, it would be, be a, pun. a pun. That's as much as I know. I'd probably have to call you and be like, "Hey, Dom, I need a pickup line. Help me out." I don't know any pickup lines. I'm terrible at this sort of stuff. You don't need them. <laughs> yeah, I wish. I truly do. Yeah. I was talking to Deco about this the other day, and she was like, I didn't know if you liked me for a really long time. And I'm like, I know. I'm sorry. It's just because I'm bad at that. I just can't, can't really do it. <laughs> That's all right. You're happy. No, as long as we're happy. We figured it out eventually. We figured it out. We figured it out. But I'm very happy that we are here. Agreed. In this new episode. We're moving more deeper into the shadow world. Yes. More and more into different sides of it. And uh, it's it's so fun going back and watching these episodes because our characters, as we know them now, have developed so far and these relationships are so have so much history. Mm-hmm. But you know, in these first few episodes, we're getting to meet so many new characters and enter so many new aspects of the shadow world. It reminds me of, you know, all of the the earlier iterations of these relationships mm-hmm. and where they started. And uh, it's 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 a lovely trip down memory lane, to be sure. It is a lovely trip down memory lane. Right, you are. And it was, you know, it, the, for a lot of these, it was like five, six years ago that we filmed them. Yeah. Or was it more than that? 
five, no, six was, years ago that we six, filmed them, yeah. it would have been like, it was, yeah, it was like six years ago that we filmed these things, which is just wild. Yeah, it might be more because this aired in 2016, which means. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, didn't, didn't they air six years ago? Wow. Wow. Because wow. you were 19, correct? Yeah. When we yeah. started filming these. So how old are you now? 26. It was seven years ago. We were filming these seven years ago. Wait, am I older now than you were when we started the show? Than you were when we started filming? Yes, that's how time no, works. No, you are then, older then than you, you were when seven years ago. you were dumb. Because um, were you 25 or 26 when we started? I was 25, I think, yeah. There we go. I mean, 32, yeah, I was 25. Yeah, you are now <sighs> older than I was when we started filming. So also, Dom, who are we? Mm. Who are we? We have to introduce like ourselves. Existentially, what? What? Who am I? Where's, <laughs> no. where's my power? Where's my spirit animal? Dom, this is a podcast. We have to remind people, in case this is the first time people are tuning in, we have to remind them who we are right. and what we're doing. Right, you are. So who are you? Welcome. I am Dominic Sherwood. I play Jace. And I'm Catherine McNamara. I play Clary on Shadowhunters, which we are here to take you back and return, return to, to the, the shadows. shadows. It's like an we'll echo. This this, I don't think we're going to get it, but I, I quite like it that we're so, so terrible at it. <laughs> we're a shadow of each other. We're a shadow of each other. Why don't you tell us what we're going to be talking about today? Today we are talking about episode 104 of Shadowhunters called Raising Hell. It originally aired on February 2nd, 2016, based on the books by Cassandra Clare. This episode was written by Ed Dector and Michael Reese, who became such an integral part of our show and who we'll talk about later in the season Correct. because he wrote another very pivotal episode. Arguably the pivotal episode. I'm trying to wear an indicative t-shirt today. Ah, look at that. It was also directed by Tanya McKiernan, who interestingly was not only our first female director on the show, but I bumped into her recently because she's over in the Arrowverse directing a lot of Supergirl and those other shows. Oh, wow. um, and it's, you know, as you know, in this industry, we bump into people again and again all the time. And and it's it's always lovely to see people who are part of the Shadow Fam out in the world doing great, fantastical things. Yeah. And we get to meet a lot of new characters in this episode and, you know, explore the world of the warlocks. Dom, do you want to tell us what this episode's about? I absolutely would love to. So in this episode, Magnus Bane could be the key to all of the answers. The Shadowhunters have to put their trust in a downworlder to access Clary's memories. After getting a clue about who may have wiped Clary's memories, the crew hunts down the High Warlock of Brooklyn, the wonderful Magnus Bane, played by Harry Shum Jr., who is incomparable in this role. With all of the Warlocks hiding from Valentine, the team must lure Magnus out of hiding with something he can't refuse, a killer party and something very valuable. But with emotions running high, more may come out of their meeting with Magnus than just the retrieval of Clary's memories. Meanwhile, Simon doesn't seem to be himself after his recent downworld encounter. Indeed. Oh. So much to talk about. And this is something that I quite loved about the show, is that they our writers were so good at the very beginning at 
dedicating each episode to a different aspect of the downworld. So we've done the vampires, mm-hmm. and this is the warlock episode. This is the warlock episode. So yeah. this is the warlock episode. We're coming in, and we're getting to see this other realm. And it it they so clearly paint the picture of how different each of these worlds are and how diverse the downworld really is. Mm-hmm. And also the the hierarchy of each community and each society and, and the way that it works. Because each one, yes, they all kind of exist under the clave and in this, the downworld within the shadow world. There's still such a different system in each of these cultures. And it's so fascinating to get to explore and create that and see it laid out so beautifully. Mm-hmm. It's again, it's I think something that comes sort of hand in hand with the concept of sort of immortality is these these races that we have, these different races have developed over hundreds and hundreds of years, sort of their ideal way of living within a system that doesn't necessarily respect them the way it should. And it's interesting that we covered so much about race, which again then was sort of reflected within the world. And it's it's interesting to sort of see how different, I guess, different avenues of culture, of society have dealt with it in different ways and how we chose to deal with it within the show and and so on and so forth. So yeah, it's, it's a cool way of sort of looking into, it's like an anthropological study of how these different creatures within this different world have evolved to, to live and thrive and survive. Yeah, I was always really proud of our show in that way because we didn't shy away from those allegories. We didn't shy away from kind of, and it's something I've I've seen even with uh, the you know gender roles and hierarchy in in that way when it comes to the Lightwoods mm-hmm. in the next couple of episodes. You know, it's something that there is so much that is archaic about the Clave and about the Shadow World, and it's a very divisive world, even though there is quote-unquote peace. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, our show is able to create this kind of allegory, it's a huge credit to the writers, yeah. especially in 2015. Totally, because it's brave, too. You know, it's a brave thing yeah. to take a stab at. And I've done a few shows now that that had a sort of similar concept of dealing with, or, or not even necessarily dealing with, because that implies that it is that it is resolved, which I don't think it is. I think we're taking steps in the right direction, but I don't think we're quite there. Right. But I've dealt, I've been in a few shows. So Penny also dealt with race and inequality and the upcoming partner track does a lot of the same thing as well. And it's, it's a brave thing to do. You know, we're shining a light on something that makes people uncomfortable, that makes people uneasy and that requires change, that requires an adaptation of how we view the world and how the world has been working if we want it to to evolve into something that's more all-encompassing for everybody. So yeah, I agree with you. Like you say, you know, we're proud of our writers for this because it takes some real balls to to put your feet in the sand and say, no, you know what, we're drawing a line here and we want to shine a light on these things because we disagree with them. And I think that's really important. And one of the more important things that we do with art in general. Exactly. It goes back to that old, uh, I think it's a Picasso quote, good art should comfort the disturbed and disturb the comforted. I love that. Wow. Isn't that nice? Yeah, that's great. Something else Picasso knows what he's doing on is depicting dreams, which is something I forgot became such a recurring theme in the show. It was so mm-hmm. prevalent at the beginning and we continued it throughout, as you well know, given one of your favorite scenes in season three. Yeah. But we have all of these nightmares and visions and dreams that 
communicate a lot of things in this first season mm-hmm. between the Clary's portal shard and communication between her and Valentine. But also it it becomes a manifestation of uh, the Clary J. Simon love triangle. One mm-hmm. of the opening scenes of the episode is Clary waking up from this dream of a nightmare and this this nightmare of Valentine and seeing Simon there mm-hmm. and then seeing Jace there. And it's it's or sees Jace and then Simon. I I forget the order, but regardless. One of you morphs into the other one. Correct. And then we have a conversation yeah. about it. Which also ends up being a fun sort of plot hole, I think, throughout the show. This is one of the ones that I was like, oh God, we just, we just, I almost arguably overused the body shifting thing. And every time it would catch us out, we have like a rune that will make us look like somebody else. And every time we're like, oh, how did we not see that coming? Like, of course it's somebody else. How <laughs> annoying. Like, ah, um, there should be like a code word or something. Exactly. And I was just talking about that with someone yesterday. Wink, wink. Oh, Because oh, it's something that oh. comes up later on in our story. And I was talking to said person about it. But I digress. I do have a funny story about that scene, which I think will make you chuckle. Just another embarrassing clumsy cat moment Mm. i now have kind of a not a fear an aversion to putting on a cardigan in a scene because of this scene because literally all i had to do in the scene was wake up talk to alberto for a second throw on a cardigan and run out of the room and i don't know what it was i swear we got to like take 40 because i my arm kept getting caught or the sweater would be twisted or i just couldn't i was just awkward about it and uh I think that was the first day of the episode too, the first day working with Tanya. And I just was hoping that she would not think this was indicative of the rest of my work. Yeah. This, yeah. Like, oh my God, this actor is going to be the worst. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to deal with like, we have fight scenes in this and a big like stunt scene at the end. Like, how are we going to do this if she can't, she put, can't on even put on a cardigan? Yeah. <laughs> how funny. It's funny that those little ones sometimes are like the bigger issues, you know, those little, those sort of everyday things that are more like, I just had one in partner track, actually, where we are leaving Ingrid, who is played by Arden Cho, a friend of yours, um, and myself are leaving an office and I'm redoing my, my, it's all, it's all in suits, you know, it's based in a law, a law office. So every day I would put these gorgeous suits on and every day I would have to do up my top button. And in this scene, I'm doing up my top button. And by take three, I was like, Hey guys, we're, we're going to need to do something else here. Cause I don't know what it is, but my fingers are unable to do up this button. I think we're going <laughs> to have to just let sleeping dogs lie and, and maybe I, can it be a, can it be a different button? I don't know if it's a button issue. It's, but it's funny that, you know, we train so hard in like the fighting and the stunts and the, you know, all of this crazy physical stuff that we have to do. And then it's like, put on a sweater and your body goes, nah, forgotten how to do that. That's a, I, that's going to be a step too far for me today. <laughs> uh, just, you know, our minds are in many places. Mm-hmm. Speaking of minds being in many places though, this is, in this episode, we get to see a lot more of a storyline from season one that I love simply because Alberto did it so brilliantly. It's what I like to call the uh, the Peter Parker Simon or the Spider-Man Simon phase. Spider-Simon, yeah. Spider-Simon. He's been bitten by the vampire and now he has all these strange abilities that are beginning to develop yeah. and show themselves from time to time. But we we see it in the first time we see it is a, when he decides to storm out of the Institute and kind of bites at Clary in a way. 
And it's it's such a heart-wrenching scene that I I didn't remember actually because as we've done so many. But you see this friendship and you see these two people who are so torn between these worlds and Simon clearly has something else going on and is still kind of reeling from what happened at the Hotel de Mort and all of these effects. But Clary is confronted with the choice of going with Simon or staying here. And it's it's the first time where Clary stops and chooses how she refers to her people. Yeah. And I think the the probably the best thing about Simon as a character is and will always be his loyalty. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, because that's the end of the last episode, right? That was the end of episode... At the end of episode three. three that he stormed out of the Institute, correct? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. That's the beginning of four. Oh, that's the beginning of four. That's in this episode where he storms yeah. out. I see. So then it's not in this episode. It's in the next episode where you call him and say, now's not a good time. Or he calls you and you go, now's not a good time. I can't, I can't talk. And he goes, it immediately is, is back to what's wrong. I'm coming to get you. What is, and that he, cause he's just your best friend. Like he, everything else what's going on with him, his things, it, as soon as Clary's in trouble, he is just like, I'm coming. And that's my favorite thing about Simon. It's beautiful. We should talk about some fun facts um, about this episode. We were just talking about the lunacy that we filmed this seven years ago. So mm-hmm. shooting for this episode ran from June 30th to July 10th, 2015. 2015, seven years ago, we shot this, which is un believable to me. We actually made a point earlier, Kat is now older than I was when we shot these. Which is wild. Makes me feel very old. I mean, I'm almost I'm almost the age that Daddario was when we started at this point. Wow. And I think you're almost the age that Harry was when we started. Like that's Wow. That's unbelievable. Yeah, when you put it like that, huh? Wow. That is that is truly incredible. Another fun fact, and I don't know how to say this word, but the language that Magnus speaks while summoning the demon is Chthonian? Chthonian? I don't know. I feel like there's not enough vowels in the first section of this word. If you are (laughs) listening to this and you know how it's said, if someone could tweet us the phonetic pronunciation of C-H-T-H-O-N-I-A-N. Chthonian? Chthonian? You know, that's why it's a demon name, because it's mm, mm-hmm, evil mm-hmm. in how hard it is to pronounce. Yeah. That's why. Bastards. Also, we get an interesting <laughs> fact. Speaking of demons existing in our world, this is something that we kind of stopped doing after a bit, but we find out that David Guetta is a vampire in this world. That's right. We did find that out. <laughs> that is fun. And we did stop doing that, and we spoke about this a couple of episodes ago, that there was this whole human shadow hunter link. There was this human world versus the shadow world link where I think we were talking about it in relation to money, right? Originally in one of the scripts, the owner of a bank was a shadow hunter. And that's how we sort of develop all our our financial prowess, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Because I think in the movie, and I don't know if this was in the books, was it Beethoven or Mozart? One of them was... A I think demon Mozart was a shadow hunter. Was, was a it? shadow hunter, sorry. One of them a was a shadow hunter, hunter. yeah. Correct, because they developed uh, a tone, like a musical tone that demons didn't like, that they used to write into their music, which I thought was very cool. Yeah. So this is a fun fact, and this actually happened to me recently also. The scratch on Simon's forehead appears to switch sides between scenes, only if you don't notice that he's looking into mirrors, which is, one, a very cool look into the vampirism, and two an interestingly common mistake that happens what in the editing room where, and I still 
for the life of me, haven't really gotten the hang of this, but there's, there's a, it's called a line when you're shooting. So, oh my God. Yeah. And I still do not understand how this works and it's still, but I will do my best to, to explain it. So if you're shooting and for example, the camera is looking at me here and let's say Clary I'm talking to is uh, camera right, which is my left-hand side to the right-hand side of the camera. So I'm looking to the right-hand side of the camera and my eye line is to the right-hand side of the camera. When they turn around to film Clary's side of this, the eye line still needs to be the same because you're looking, because you're reversed, she would still be looking to her right, camera left, her right, or camera right, her left, mm-hmm. which is why this starts to get But it's all to confusing. do with the perspective correct, of the audience. Correct. So it doesn't pull you out of the story. Exactly. And, and it, it kind of seamlessly flows. So you're not yeah. playing ping pong. You will only really notice it when it's incorrect. And you're like, oh, that person looks <laughs> like they're looking to not wear the other person in that scene was. But this is something that, you know, DPs and camera operators are very good at. And they'll say, well, we can't put the cameras there because then we'd be crossing the line. And actors are just sort of scratching their heads in the corner. Like, I don't know what that means. And they're like, come and look. And if you look at it on camera, you see like, oh, that doesn't make sense. You're right. Visually, that doesn't make any sense. This is also why they put fluorescent tape on a certain side of the camera. So that we we know where to look. Yeah, (laughs) because we need our hands held through this process very much. Sometimes, sometimes. But what I noticed is there are times in the edit room where they mess up on set and you can just flip the image. What? Which isn't, yeah, which isn't an ideal way of doing it, but you can flip the image so it's reversed. And I noticed this in, I've just recently watched Eraser, and I noticed that they'd flipped the image. And I noticed because I'm one of the only people that you can't do that with because my eyes, I saw an image of my eyes and I was like, huh, well, that's not correct. (laughs) It's just (laughs) on the wrong side of me. That's really odd. But yeah, so keep an eye out for that in Eraser. See if you spot it and when it is. You are practical effects only, Dom. This is what we know. I know. No CGI for you. No CGI for me. Izzy mentions David Guetta, which we just spoke about. Magnus claims to have slept with Michelangelo, which is a pretty cool uh, claim to fame there, which I don't I don't hate that was in our story. I think that's pretty neat. I think it's great. I mean, look, if Magnus is going to be around for centuries, he might as well live it up. Why not? You know what I mean? He's handsome. Mm-hmm. He's talented. He can move like a damn god. Mm-hmm, literally. Why not? Why not? From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This was Cassie's first ever set visit was during these episodes, which I remember her coming and I don't remember what we were filming. I remember Matt and I were on fairly stringent diets and I think everyone was on fairly stringent diets for our fitness and uh, for our training. We were all trying to be so healthy. So healthy. <laughs> but I remember Cassie and we were talking to Cassie, Matt and I, and we were eating just these salads that were so unentertaining. It was grilled chicken breast with nothing on it and just leaves. And that was sort of our diet for most of season one, I think. I remember that. That and coffee and that kind of got us through. I started drinking coffee because of the show, and because it's actually in episode five. When we'll we'll talk about that next episode, but oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, I, I made it through university. I made it through everything without drinking coffee until episode five of the series. Yeah, and then it it all started <laughs> to get a bit much, especially because we started doing. When did we start doing like press stuff for this? It would have been around episode five, episode six, right? Where we started doing- I think so. Like the press shoots and we started doing interviews and EPK, which uh, again, uh, another sort of behind the scenes term. For anyone who doesn't know what EPK is, it's called electronic press kit. And if you ever saw an interview of us where we're in costume or where we have our runes or where it looks like we're in makeup or we're on a set, that was done with an electronic press kit where they send a press team to your set with- a microphone, a lighting setup, and a camera, and a camera team, and a sound team, you know, its own little sort of production there. And whenever they can grab you from set, they run over and they grab you and uh, start doing some behind-the-scenes stuff whilst we're working. Yeah. And that's what EP Asking is. questions, playing games, all the fun stuff. All the fun stuff you see all behind the, the scenes. Stuff. But speaking of fun stuff... As we get into Peter Parker, Simon, we mm-hmm. start to get to see all these different symptoms, mm-hmm. whether that's anger or a snap temper or intense hunger and these these bursts of strength and agility that are starting to put a strain on his relationships, whether it be with Maureen or his mom or Clary. And uh, it's it's a really nice bit of foreshadowing, but gives Simon kind of an arc of his own for the first time that's separate yeah. from Clary and separate from this triangle. And it's it's just really nice to get to see Alberto 
shine in that way. Totally, yeah. For him to have the ability to be Simon on his own, not Simon and Clary. Yeah. We are a package deal and always will Mm -hmm. be, but he's got to go do his superhero thing. And speaking of everyone's own thing, we it's actually Simon and his conversation with Camille that gives us our next lead. It is. Very much so. Because yeah. Camille lets it slip about Magnus Bane and how he's the one who took Clary's memories. Correct. And, or could be the one who took Clary's memories. And then as a team, we decide that, all right, well, let's track well, down let's the one guy. and only Magnus Bane. Mm-hmm. This is a very Magnus-heavy episode. Yeah. I think also this is our first time or one of our first times that we get to see the war table where all of us are around the table talking about the mission, which becomes a very standard thing. And we get a new war table in the future, which is arguably one of my favorite set pieces. But this one, it's still kind of that old table, probably from the movie. And we're sitting around and that's when David Guetta gets brought up and Mm -hmm. all of this. But we also see all of these photos of Magnus through the centuries in different time periods and different parts of history that you can just tell Harry had so much fun. Of course. Yeah, of course. You know, he got <laughs> to do his own little sort of period drama for a second there, which was for in like eight different periods, which is very cool. And you really get to hear more about Magnus's hedonism and, and his life, but also his self-preservation and how powerful he is. Mm -hmm. So he's really set up as we don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. We don't know if he's going to help us or not, but we know he could potentially be the next key. Yes, absolutely. We also get our first Malik connection, our first direct, that's this episode. It is. It comes in a bit later, but yeah. Yeah, we get to see them lock eyes for the first time and give pause to the romanticized love at first sight kind of deal, which I don't know if necessarily that's what it was. It's an interesting one, this relationship, because I don't know if it was necessarily love at first sight or if it was something that Magnus recognized very potentially because of his, you know, advanced years, recognized this uncomfortability in a young, struggling gay man who hadn't figured out his sort of place in the world yet. And I wonder how much of that relationship, and it would be interesting to talk to the boys about this, you know, later on, but it, I, I wonder how much of it was just this this instant attraction versus how much of it was Magnus thinking, oh, I, I've been you. I've been this guy yeah. who doesn't understand how the world works around me and feel like there's no place for me in the world. And, and I want to hold your hand through this. I want to help you through this. And I wonder how much of it was just the instant reaction of attraction versus them falling for each other whilst helping each other through his sort of his evolution into the man that he is and the man that we all love. I agree. I think, I think there is a bit of that. I think there's also quite a bit of intrigue at first sight, if nothing Mm. else on both parts. There's a, there's a spark and there's a connection in the same way that Clary and Jace do Mm -hmm. have that spark and that connection. Because again, Alec being a shadow hunter, he only falls in love once. Only falls in love once. It's interesting. They don't say with who once. Doesn't have to be with the Shadow Hunter, clearly, even despite what the Shadow Hunters might think. Correct. Yeah. Especially at this point. So that's it's it is interesting to watch that develop. But now I'm trying to remember what happens. Oh, we we get ready to go on the mission. So we get the necklace, which is kind of our key to the ruby, the demon ruby. The ruby necklace, Amor, the Amor necklace. The the beautiful gift that ends up weighted oh no we find out at the war table that magnus and camille were once lovers yes 
which is interesting as well, which again, you're right. I, you know, we never really thought about this or I didn't think about this when we were filming because we knew who they were and who they were going to become in the story. But there is a lot of pretense to Magnus potentially being a bad guy in this. It's, mm-hmm. There's a lot of like layers that are left up of mistrust from him and reasons that we should mistrust him and sort of, you know, shenanigans from his part where you're like, interesting, I don't know if you're a person that we can trust immediately. And obviously fans of the book and fans of the movie know where this story goes. But I wonder, it would be interesting, again, if you were new to these stories via the show, let us know, tweet us and let us know if you knew instantly that Magnus was going to be a good guy or if you had a mistrust of him as well because of all these layers of story that we added on top of him. Let us know tweet at us. Absolutely. And it's it's interesting because in the it's very similar, as you mentioned, to the way that Luke and Alaric are represented, particularly in this episode, because everybody's saying we need we want Clary because we want the cup. So we have to find Clary. We have to get her so we can get the cup. And you even see that at the very beginning when you see Magnus in his apartment with all the other warlocks before we even go find him. You see Magnus going, they're talking about Clary and the cup and Valentine and how we have to get it before Valentine does. We have to get Clary to us. We have to get her away from the Shadow Hunters. And it, it becomes this kind of hunt for Clary to get the cup. Yeah. On all parts. And you never really know in what frame, friend or foe that they're choosing to pursue. Totally. And and that's sort of the big thing, isn't it? Is the divide of who is willing to do Clary harm to get this cup and who is unwilling to do Clary harm to do this cup. And that sort of ends up being our derisive good guys versus bad guys. Like if we are unwilling to hurt Clary in the hunt for this mythical item that can change the face of our world forever, then you're a good guy. If you are willing to hurt her, then you're a bad guy. You know what I mean? Oh, I do. And speaking of good guys and bad guys and everything in between, this is the episode where things started to get a little squirrely because I remember this is when I really got to see your pranks in full force. I think you and Alberto had started to prank each other. What was the first one? The first one was, do you remember the scene when your bedroom was also the training room? And you were in... Oh, I do remember this. And I hid behind the door. Yeah. And you, I, I do. All I had mm-hmm. to do was come in the room and have a conversation. And the director goes, oh, yeah, yeah, just do one more take. And I went, okay. And I left and I came back in. I asked I asked for it. I know you. I did. asked for it. I looked into <laughs> camera and I went, just do one more. Just do one more. Cat's jumpy. Cat's a jumpy kid. Yeah. And is an easy one to scare. Later on, you got your own back in full force, which full respect to you for that. But Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, there was just an opportunity, you know, by these sort of middle of the season episodes, we have reached this level of comfortability with each other where it's like, we got what we needed on camera, like that we're happy to move on now and move to the next scene. And we're like, fuck it, let's start toying with each other. Like we're, we're getting so close at this point that, <laughs> you know, I, and, and these days are, they are quite hard work. And uh, as yeah. I, I think every now and then it, it's as important to make everyone laugh as it is to power on for it to be work, 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 work. I think it is important to elevate the mood in these things every now and then. And I had the camera team say that to me once. That actually might have been this episode also, where it was late and I we were there was we were all in it is in this episode for sure. It's right when we're about to go and summon the memory demon. It's all of us in in uh, Magnus's apartments right after he shifted the apartment to somewhere else. Oh yeah. Because the circle found him. And I remember we're all there and we're all in these marks. And I think they were filming Harry at the time. 
and I looked down and I'm not stood on my mark. And I was like, oh shit, guys, I'm sorry. I'm not on my mark. Let me step on my mark. And everyone behind the scenes started laughing at me. And I was like, why, what's going on here? And he was like, you're off camera, dude. No, it doesn't matter where you're stood. And I was like, (laughs) ah, shit, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have ruined that take. I was just, I was worried that I was stood in the wrong place and I don't want, you know, Harry to do his best work. And then for them to go, sorry, we have to do it again. Don was stood directly in front of the camera. And, you know, we need that sometimes. You need a little laugh sometimes because it's it's hard work is not necessarily the right word, I don't think, because we all enjoy it. So it's of course it's it's uh, it takes a lot of energy painstaking at time. It does. Yeah, Yeah, it it takes a lot of energy. We all love doing it, but it's, you know, it's uh, it's arduous at times. It can be an arduous task. Absolutely. And they are long hours. And Yeah. yeah, and I think, yeah, I think every now and then to break that up with like something silly just reinvigorates everything, gives everyone a little more energy, Um, which is why things like blooper reels are so important. Yeah. And when we're all dealing with life or death stakes or, you know, Mm -hmm. doom and gloom and missing moms and evil dads and turning into a vampire, sometimes you just need to be a little silly and break the tension and giggle a little bit. I completely agree. So now we are at, speaking of needing some levity and a bit of a chuckle, we have the Downworld Rave coming up next. Ah, which that's right. Which is, again, we're back at Hardtail, but now instead of Vampire Night, it is Warlock Night. Mm. And so we have all manner of warlocks around. And this is something else, too, that kind of goes into the warlock lore. We, we talk about the concept of a warlock mark because mm-hmm. warlocks are half demon, half human in this world. And that has a, like a physical manifestation in a warlock mark. So they'll either have horns or gills or cat eyes as Magnus does, or some kind of marking in a sense, that's usually an animal feature of some, some sort that identifies them as a warlock. And for people who hunt warlocks, that can become sort of a a prize. It's a trophy in a sense. Yeah which is very dark and something that mm. we get into a little bit in this episode. Something else we get into in this episode that I noticed when I was watching back, we had so much fun with makeup in this episode, mm. especially with the warlocks. It was very, a lot of 2015, very identifiably 2015 makeup trends with every color of glitter and different placement around the eyes. I was, I was noticing watching between Magnus, myself, and Isabel, we had a lot of glitter going on. It was a lot of glitter. It was a lot but of it glitter. Was great. Who was our? I feel terrible that I don't remember this. Who was our special effects on makeup on season one? Was it Randy? It was Randy. And Randy's it was Randy. Team? It was Randy, right? Who ended up yeah. being our key makeup person. Our, our for season it's two, beauty yeah. makeup. Yeah, for season two. Um, but yeah. it was Randy, right? And he's very, yeah. very good at that sort of stuff. Cool. When we're in the hardtail, and I want to mm-hmm. give thanks to all of these guys. So this was this was one of the bigger days where there is motion happening. And as we mentioned in the last episode, my left ankle at this point is just a mess. Like it's a real, mm-hmm. so I would get to work and I have these boots on. They're actually gorgeous John Varvados boots. I still have them. No, I don't. <laughs> Didn't take them from set. <laughs> uh, they were given to me. They were given to me, these boots. Um, but I would get set and the medic would, you know, obviously I can't wear the boot, the the air boot that I was supposed to wear to keep my ankle sort of in place. So I get set and they would wrap up my ankle as tightly as they could with a with you know layers and layers and layers of sort of tensor bandage and then squeeze my boot onto it and just make sure it was sort of as tight as it could so I couldn't do anything. And I want to give a special thanks in this episode to the 
background artists, the supporting artists, the extras, because I was on crutches and I had to crutch my way in and crutch my way out and someone had to walk those to me. And they were really conscientious of the fact that I was in a lot of pain and they, you know, made a walkway for me to get through. And when the crutches need to come in, they would pass them over to me. And they, I want to make a special nod to those guys in this episode because they really did go above and beyond to sort of help me out, which was really nice. That's really wonderful. And that it really does speak to the community of everyone who worked on the show. Mm -hmm. Because we had a lot of the same people come back over and over again for years to play the different characters and sort of recognizable faces in these worlds that we kept visiting over and over Mm -hmm. again. And it's it's nice when you do see familiar faces and you can, you know, work together with every department. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of working together, does not go very well for this meeting. Because not only does Magnus take the necklace. He tries to take a one bargaining chip. Yeah. Tries to take Clary with him and also goes, Oh, by the way, I don't have your memories. I fed them to a demon. Thanks, Magnus. Come on, man. Thanks, Magnus. Come on, bud. For safekeeping, we meet that demon. He sucks. <laughs> Although he sucks. you do if you think about it though, it it does speak to sort of Magnus's self-protection because if he was captured by Valentine and tortured. You know, it makes our big bad even worse and sort of more dangerous knowing that that's... In fact, we see him get tortured later on in the show, do we not? we do. But he has a little bit more uh, stakes and more incentive to to stay loyal to us by season Mm. three, if you know what I mean. That's true. That's very true. He's a bit more invested. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. You're right. And this is actually, this is the first episode we meet a greater demon. This is the first time we see something that is non, non-humanoid. All of our demons so far have been sort of quasi-human, as we know, because we put a human in a suit for all of them. So it was it, these have all been human. <laughs> this was the first time that we had, this is full imagination. you got to just completely make up what this thing looks like. And we had to have the conversation of what, yeah. you know, what is this thing going to look like? Because on the day, I don't know if you remember, but it was this like plastic colored Uh, like film that was rotating and wind tunnels and that was it that was wind turbines and this spinning light rig in front of us and that was our demon windy water tornado-y demon I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Something else that comes in with a gale force wind is the chemistry of Malik. And we get to see that for the first time when we're at Hardtail because you see a circle member come in to try and attack either Magnus or Clary or Jace. We don't really know. He's coming to kill someone as circle members do. Some of us, they are not good guys, the circle members. You know, they just no. want they just want destruction. And in flies an arrow right to its mark. We all turn our heads and up on the stairs in a cloud of badass, beautiful smoke is Alec. There he is. And Magnus utters the line, who are you? In the most who Magnus are of ways. Who you? So good. Another line in this scene that I got a kick out of right before Magnus disappears. There's a lot of, in the books, a lot of talk of how much Simon and Clary love Star Wars and Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons and all these other things. And um, right before Magnus disappears into the portal... Clary grabs his wrist and goes, Magnus, no, you're my only hope. Very good. I Very good. loved Little that R2-D2 so much. Little R2-D2 Leia moment. That's great. Oh, we have a few head. of those parallels in this story. <laughs> Do we? No. There's no parallels whatsoever. One or two. <laughs> yeah. I think we've already called the, the Clary Valentine thing similar to the Vader Luke yeah. deal. And then there's the other one that comes up in a couple of episodes that's pretty big too. We'll talk about that. A little bit. Kind of gets in our way from time to time. Yeah. Yep, 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 But then we have a bit more levity out of tragedy in a way. Because we get Magnus's button. We can't Mm. find him. Clary and the team goes outside. Clary and Alec are yelling at each other because Alec says, see, she's right. It's little girl. And Clary's, you know, lost. Her best friend is gone. Her mom is gone. Everyone she knows and loves has betrayed her. And now the shadow hunters are talking about tossing her to the curb as well. It's sort of this all is lost. And this is when we really get to start seeing how powerful Parabatai are. Because mm-hmm. you uh, you have to use Magnus's button to track him. Joint but it tracking. has to be Parabatai, Parabatai tracking. tracking. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Parabatai tracking, Dom? Oh, God, <laughs> what a day. What a day. So Matt and I are very good and very professional all up until we're not. Mm-hmm. And this was just one of those days. It was cold. It was late. 
and I got to stare into those gorgeous eyes and they just made us giggle. It just, (laughs) and the thing is, it's, I, you know, everyone's been through this. Once you start giggling, that's it. It, you're giggling. You are, you're, it's in your body. It's in your bones. You have been tickled and you are going to laugh. And we really only had to hold it for this shot for about, about 10 seconds, probably. And that was too much for us. It was too much of a task for us. We couldn't do it. And Emerald was getting pissed because she's in her, in her going out dress. And it was, it was cold. So I understand why she was getting <laughs> pissed, but it was also like, dude, we're trying like, this isn't, you know, she was sort of yelling at us and we're like, it's cool. I, we, I, I know I'm sorry. And I understand that it's cold, but this isn't, is not really something I have any control over in this moment. You know, I'm, I'm doing my best. We want to go inside as well. And it was, yeah, well, that was Matt and I's first real foray into like, oh, this isn't good. Mm-mm. We're in real trouble here. <laughs> and you, if you, for those who haven't, you should check them out because they are quite good fun. But you can see Matt and I do this in the bloopers. Oh, yeah. If you go and look up the bloopers on YouTube, there's one particular instance where we fall into the laughing hole and you just can't get out. Once you're in there, you can't get out. We may be able to talk about this soon as well with... Oh, with, yeah. Somebody you know else. Who. It's so interesting because it's something that I think we all learned very quickly, especially between you, me, Matt, and Alberto. When one of us goes, all of us go. It's bad. It's oh. really bad. It's And you just, sometimes you don't even need to go <laughs> as well, which no. I think you mentioned this. I The corner of my lip goes yeah. first. That, and there's like a sparkle in your eye. And you just kind of oh, go, no. it's true. You get you get this little like mischievous twinkle, and I we just go, oh no, oh, oh no. no. Oh, <laughs> Matt's no. eyebrow and Alberto will twitch. has it too. Alberto is very good at Matt's eyebrow does twitch, and that <laughs> was because you you learn to read the the signs that like oh it's on the way, it's coming. And sometimes the sign <laughs> is enough to send the other person off, and you're like ah oh, shit, because um, it's a te- you know it's like a poker tell. Like yeah. you're like you read it, and it can be such a subtle motion, and then one sets off the other, and Alberto is the only one who's very good at just like in character turning his head away. <laughs> but that then is his tell. So that makes me laugh. I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, you can't do that. So it always looks like I'm the one who has broken first because Alberto turns his face away from camera. So he's like, oh, look, at Alberto being this very professional actor. And I'm like tears rolling down my face laughing. I'm like, no, Alberto went first. You just didn't <laughs> see it this time. But this, this was Alberto's fault. Alberto's fault. Oh, dearie, dearie, dearie. Goodness there you gracious. Go. Well, there you have it. But once we get through that moment, then we're mm-hmm. back on our way and we have to go find Magnus's lair because now we know where he is. Interestingly, I forgot that the, I guess I didn't even realize it at the time because I was still learning the soundstage, but the place where we creep in and we sort of see the chain link yeah. fence and the guy gets thrown off and you throw the dagger and all the, our first, the first time we see Clary fight with the team with a sword and actually, mm-hmm. you know, throw some moves. It was where our sets were built in the back of the soundstage. Yeah. Because you see the table saw the, and you see all the, the wood and everything. Stage. Yeah, it yeah. was our woodworking stage, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize until I watched it back and recognized the space from, mm-hmm. from the future. Again, you know, we should give that, uh, we should give them a real nod there as well because uh, we had a whole department mm-hmm. that built things. So, you know, they would write something into an episode, whatever it was, you know, some location or studio. And a good example of that is in the next episode, the fair folk when they're in mourning. Oh yeah. And they had to build Melion Jade's butterfly rig and and this, that, and the other. They, you know, they get the scripts and we get the scripts and they go, oh, we have a new thing to build. We got to build that in three days because we're shooting it first up. And they would, they would just build whatever it was, you know, all of the sets that we had 
in that soundstage, in that studio, were handcrafted by those teams. So even things like, you know, the Shadowhunter vaults that you rune open and that's where we get the necklace from and this, that, and the other, and and where bits and bobs get hidden, they were practical. They were built. The Our teams built them. They built these things that work and come up and the doors open and all this, you know, they they built those. And that's really incredible. And one of the things that I wish I'd done that I didn't do is film our reactions the first day we walk onto the Institute set. I was you know, we've read about, about it. That. We know yeah. vaguely what it is, but you don't know the layout. You don't know what, you know, we know there are computers. We know there's a war table. We know there's a training area, but we don't know what they're going to look like. We know the swords are going to come out of the wall at some point, but we don't know how they're going to come out of the wall. And then we get to see it for the first time. And it's really like, oh my God, yeah. this is unbelievable. It's such an incredible achievement. Yeah. We had a fully functioning basically house with three mm-hmm. bedrooms and offices and walkways and the war room and the entrance and everything else. And it was it was right after the first table read. McGee and Ed took us in for the first time. And I, I remember all of us were speechless because we'd read so much mm-hmm. and we'd seen so much and talked so much. And yeah. then here it was. You know, you see, I used to always creep into the production office, into the art department mm-hmm. where all of the sketches of the sets would be and kind of get a sneak peek at what they were looking at building. And then you see it built for the first time. Totally. And it's, it's like magic of our own because we had it's such like an incredible magic. team. Yeah. I remember I actually, I remember um, not Shadowhunters related when I did Vampire Academy all those years ago now, which Vampire Academy must have been almost 10 years ago for me, which is wild. Maybe even more than 10 years ago. I remember Danny Waters and Mark Waters, the writer-director team. Because again, you know, same thing. We read the scripts and read them 100 times through auditioning and then read them through table reads and rehearsals and whatever. And I remember walking onto our soundstage at Pinewood Studios in London, which was its own magic in itself because it's, you know, it's the place in London. It's Pinewood Studios. It's the big studio. And I remember Danny and Mark coming up to me and saying, do you want to see the attic for the first time? And I was like, yeah. Um, you know, it's the, the place where my character Christian sort of hangs out on his own, whatever. Yeah, yeah it's your, your spot. And I didn't really know what to expect because this is my first sort of foray into like big studio built sets. And I remember seeing for the first time that someone had built exactly what was written on the pages. And I thought it was the most incredible thing. I thought it was so, I don't know what I was expecting. I don't know if I was expecting it to be, you know, in parts or in bits or just, you know, a screen or I don't know what I was expecting, but it was not a fully built, fully functioning attic in this sort of castle. And it was the same thing with Shadowhunters. I don't know exactly what I was expecting. I was not expecting the Institute to to walk into the Institute. That's not what I was expecting, which was incredible. It is because these spaces, we spend more time on these sets than we do in our own apartments, you know, and it mm-hmm. becomes our home and it becomes our space. And it's to have a space that is so immersive and so, as you said, fully functioning, where there's little things mm-hmm. we can play with and little places we sit that become our spot or something we mess with on the table every time or, or a, a drawer that we keep a certain set piece in or, you know, all of these things that become our bedroom, our space, our office, our war room, the, the, the places that our characters can really take ownership of. Simon's boat base. Totally. You know, it's uh, the Jade Wolf, all of these things. And it's, it's, it really does allow us to play and kind of lose ourselves in this world. It makes a huge difference. You know, probably middle of season two, we ended up with a green screen stage as well, mm-hmm. which again, for those who don't know, I think we discussed this briefly in an earlier episode, but a green screen 
um, is something they'll put behind you and they can basically edit whatever background in they want. And we ended up with a 360 degree full green screen stage. So they could put us basically in any world that they wanted to put us in. And it was my least favorite of all of the stages because we're reacting to just a green curtain. Whereas these other yeah. set, and there's nothing to be done about it. It's incredible what they can do with technology. And there are times when green screen is just what we need to use. But it is my least favorite of the ones that we had because you're not immersed in that world. You do have to imagine. You do have to do it with your head versus, you know, there's a, a Decker and I were watching, I think, episode five yesterday. And there's a scene in it, I think, where, oh, it's the portal shard. It's when he we find out that the portal shard is a portal shard and he puts it in the safe. Um, and we'll talk about this in the next episode, but yeah. the I don't, Jace doesn't really say very much in the scene, it's very much Clary and Alec. So I just grabbed a spear and I'm like playing with a spear in the background, which is, <laughs> you know, it makes sense for Jace. That's something he would do. He's a little sort of ADHD and is drawn to weapons. But the ability to do that because it was just there is fantastic, yeah. is is a really yep. easy thing. It's not something you have to think about. It's just you walk in as Jace and Jace is just like, ooh. And grabs it and starts playing. You know what I mean? So incredible mm. stuff. Really incredible stuff. A lot of recurring themes on the show. But something that they give us a lot of choices, mm -hmm. which is great. A lot of options, definitely. And uh, a lot of options. Speaking of choices and options. It so was very clever. I just saw that on my brief as well. That's very clever. Well done. You. Thank Very you. well done. So this line really stuck out to me. There's a So after they get, they save the warlocks from you know, the circle members attacking, which there's something in that I, we have to talk about because there's a special Malik moment, which we'll discuss momentarily in okay. that warlock battle. Okay. But afterward, Magnus pulls Clary aside and, and thanks her for saving the little girl. There's a little warlock girl that Clary saved from a circle member. And he says, you always have a choice, Clary. And it it really speaks to, as we were talking about a little bit last episode with Raphael and his choice to let Simon go and to show us the way out over and over again you find there in this world there are such sort of striations and divisions between these communities and and the law is the law of the shadow hunters and all of these things that you're supposed to do and it's this generation of characters particularly Clary at first because she is the one who has the outside perspective and she is the one who wasn't raised with these rules and these sort of lines to stay between in the shadow yeah. world she does have a choice and, and you know, her presence starts to shift these perspectives in the communities because she doesn't have the stigmas and the traditions and everything ingrained in her. And so she sort of starts questioning the status quo, which then the rest of the team kind of tends to, to do the same as we continue in this story. Totally. This now moves us fairly neatly to our big finale. Absolutely. And before we get to that, we have to talk about one of my favorite conversations that happens in this episode, mm -hmm. which is Magnus is is fighting the circle member and circling him. And he's, you know, taunting him, saying, I'm going to steal your cat eyes as a trophy. And then suddenly you have Magnus, Alec swoops in, you have Magnus and Alec together killing the circle member. And suddenly they turn to each other and we have the the interaction for the first time, which is... It's so indicative. I think of it starts it with uh, well done. Mm -hmm. And he says more like medium rare. And then they move into the conversation with each other. The bit of banter. Right? And what I love about it is I I don't know if it's because I'm used to seeing Alec this way or I'm used to seeing Matt this way, being so precise and sure-footed mm -hmm. and knowing exactly what he's doing. And you just see Alec in this lovely sense of 
completely kind of off kilter and his he's just yeah. offset a little bit and thrown off his feet by Magnus, who is this kind of great, grandiose, sure presence. And neither mm-hmm. is really sure why, but they both find it quite charming. I agree. I agree. Yeah, really fun. Really fun. And they both do such a good job. We have so much to talk to them about. That's true. I can't wait. When we get them on the show. I can't either. It's going to be super exciting. But I always give them such huge credit because they took so much care to speak with the writers and to sort of analyze every moment in this relationship to make sure it was, because it, you know, it is such an iconic one from the books. They wanted to make it as real Mm -hmm. as possible and develop it in the most nuanced of ways. Well, and also it's our, you know, with an LGBTQ plus positive show. Yeah. And this is our foray into that. And they mm-hmm. they both took that responsibility so seriously. They took such care and such, you know, it was like their baby. It was their, it was, this is our, you know, this is our way of welcoming that community into our world and saying you have a safe place with us and we want you to be on this journey with us and we want to learn and grow and evolve with you. And they did, you know, credit to Matt and Harry entirely because they did take such care and such time and they made sure that they made the correct choices and that this this baby was nurtured and mm-hmm. and they did such a an astoundingly amazing job and I think I know I can speak for Kat in in this one and I'm not talking out of turn that we're incredibly proud of them incredibly yes. proud of Matt and Harry Magnus and Alec and mm-hmm. what the show did there's a reason they are so beloved both in person and in character Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. 
And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. So here we are. Let's move on to our, our big finale. Yes. Our big greater demon. This was my first time in the wire rig as well. Really? Other than on the bike. Yeah. This was my first time because the bike wasn't really the bike was wired, but we weren't wired. Oh yeah. This yeah. was my first time putting on the harness and being pulled up in hoisted. the air and <laughs> hoisted. This was my first time being sort of properly hoisted. So let's talk about how we got to that moment. You know, mm-hmm. we have Clary's artistic talents being put to good use, Magnus being the warlock godfather that he is. Mm-hmm. Here's some beautiful chalk. Why don't you trust your instincts and draw something? Go go play with chalk, kid. Sure. Go nuts. Yeah. And you come back and Clary's drawn this very elaborate, not quite rune, but this elaborate piece on the floor that's going to serve as the pentagram of sorts for this mm-hmm. summoning. We all gather around. The ritual goes. We stand in a circle. We all hold hands. And Magnus makes a point, as with any good mythology story you point out the rules yeah do not let go do not break the circle hands no matter what do not break the circle noted we all understand this we all agree no matter what happens seems simple enough totally yeah just don't let go of each other's hands super easy what could possibly go wrong what could well then we find out we all have to give up a memory of the person that we love the most Mm -hmm. but it can't couldn't be a private giving up it has Couldn't to be, be displayed it has to be public it has to be heart-wrenching <laughs> yeah we also i we so who gives up memories it's you give up your mum yeah correct yes and then and then does it go straight to to alec is it just the two of you i can't remember i feel as though it might be isabel with a memory of alec first oh maybe i'm trying to remember yeah, I can't we remember exactly this. we just should know this I i've watched if, so many episodes ahead now let me I, see if i can pull it up quickly no, then it does go straight. It goes to straight Alec. to Alec. Oh no, no, no! And the demon takes memory of Alec from Isabel. Oh, it is of go. Alec from Isabel. Okay, so uh, yeah. Clary, Isabel, and then Alec, because I think it was Harry. Well, it must have then been Harry and I who were like, I, I'm curious what our memories would have been. I wonder yeah. what they would have been. I would guess yours would be the Falcon. See, I don't know because I don't think that's a fond no? memory. I don't think that's a loving oh, memory. That's true. It's an important memory, but I don't think it's a beloved memory necessarily. It's de- it's sort of defining. It, it turned Jason to who he was, but I don't think it was loving necessarily. It probably would have been, would be my guess, an image of uh, Adam Harrington, of Michael Wayland. That would be yeah. my guess. Or, or maybe, um, which obviously we didn't shoot until season two, but that first interaction between Jace and Alec where he shoots the arrow and it goes and whoa same team what's going on there that could have been it but I think that would have story-wise that would have kind of cut our legs out from under us with what happens later on you're like you know we love each other of course we love each other it would have been the same image so I think yeah if we'd have gotten to it it would have made the most sense for it to be an image of Michael Wayland uh the father who was lost you know but yeah it's a fun interesting thing that we get to play with 
or not even get to, I've worked with a lot of actors that, or not a lot of actors, I've worked with actors that don't really do this, that just sort of stick with what's on the page and don't have any interest in going past that, which is fine. You know, you do, your process is your process. Whatever works for you to to perform that way is great. But I know for, uh, for all of us on this show, the more we could talk about it and the more we could develop like, backstory or or conceptualize you know different things that go on the better that would be for us and the more fun we would have and the more rounded these characters ended up so that would be yeah that would have been my thought anywho (laughs) but that's why I always love those days on set where we had the round table or we Mm -hmm. had days like this when everyone was there because inevitably you know if Matt wasn't googling something that we were talking about extraneously awesome. we Google. would we would get into story and mm-hmm. we would discuss things and debate things and and it would always bring up something that inevitably ended up in the show in one mm-hmm. way or another would well, and also so we should talk about the round table cuz i don't know if any i don't know if anyone will know what that is cuz there's not That's really That's true oh my gosh we have to give huge credit thing. to our props department mm-hmm. because our props department saw very early on that we all like to stay on set. And a lot of actors, if between setups or if they're moving cameras and we have 20, 30 minutes, people will go back to their trailers and Mm -hmm. sit and take care of other things. Which in the studio, the trailers were very nearby. They were two minutes walk away. They were super close. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of times actors will choose to go to their own space Mm -hmm. to be comfortable. But our show, we all had such a good time together and we were such a team from day dot that we all stayed on set and mm-hmm. we just sit in our chairs, but we would bring our laptops or phones or knitting or whatever it was that we were doing. And the props department very kindly created this sort of rolling round table yeah. that they would wheel from set to set to put all of our chairs around so that we all had a place to eat or work or sit or just put our stuff. And it it was such a lovely thing because it created a space not only for us, but if Somebody wanted to come talk to us, whether it was wardrobe or props or, you know, directors, somebody showing yeah, whomever. directors or or showing a, a sketch of what was coming next in the mm-hmm. show or, or our visual effects team coming to show us what this thing was that we were looking at in the next scene. Mm-hmm. It, it became kind of the space for roundtable discussions. Totally. Literally. Literally. Yeah, it was literally our roundtable, which was which was fantastic. Yeah. Speaking of things in a round, though, shall we get back to the story? Let's, let's get back to the story. Very good. Your segues have been on point today. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much. I so try. we are in the round, and Alec pulls up an image of Jace, which I don't think anyone was necessarily expecting. It happens. It it leads to the aforementioned, previously foreshadowed breaking of hands, which we were told yes. specifically not to do. But us yes. being the Shadowhunters we are, that is what we did. We break rules and accept consequences later. We break rules and accept consequences, absolutely. And uh, as Alec breaks the bond, the memory demon gets more powerful and takes mm-hmm. a hold of Jace, given yeah. how valuable he clearly is. Well, it was, it was, and it's a little muddled in the edit of what happened, but it, it doesn't go for me, it goes for Alec. Oh, is that what happens? Mm. It goes for Alec. The demon goes for Alec and Jace pushes him out of the way. And of course he does. Gets enveloped by the demon tornado. And then so now we can sort of talk about it a little more yeah. is then we get picked up in this wire rig, which this is the, the technical aspects of it. This is a half rig. It's if you've ever seen a rock climber, 
that thing they're wearing around their waist, that harness, that's what I was wearing. Um, so there's nothing over my shoulders, which actually with the benefit of hindsight is interesting because I spend a lot of that upside down and there definitely should have been, that should have been a full rig. And I'm surprised that it wasn't, (laughs) which now with the benefit of hindsight is reminding me, I, I had big patches on my hips where there was no skin left. Because I remember that. It just ate away at my hips where normally what should have happened, I believe, and it's no secret that I am very happy that the stunt team changed in season two and I felt more comfortable and safer with our team in season two. But this, with the benefit of hindsight, absolutely should have been a full rig that went over my shoulders. Mm-hmm. The weight there should have been over my shoulders. There was no way of me slipping out of my harness. But I digress. It is what it is. <laughs> But here we are presented with another choice, as Magnus has said. There's always a choice. Mm -hmm. Clary has to choose whether to lose Jace or to lose her memories forever. Um, And her memories at this point are maybe the only way to get her mother back, maybe the Mm -hmm. only way to find the cup, maybe the only way to do all of this. And as she did in the first episode, following the mysterious man into a bar, she chooses Jace once again. And as we'll see in the future, this is another bit of foreshadowing. It is. Where yeah. we see Clary choosing Jace over yeah. and over again. It's a mistake. It's a mistake. This is the it's first not big. It's a mistake. It's a mistake. <laughs> it's not a mistake. It's a mistake on paper because I think Jace would have told her and does tell her that this is a mistake. This happens. I'm trying to count it now. <laughs> it happens. We just need a counter. It happens is a lot. Is this a drinking game now? Should it we take a be. shot every it time Clary makes a mistake? Maybe next time we do one not we record a podcast not at seven in the morning we can have a drinking version of it (laughs) because it does it happens at the end of season it happens at the mid-season break in season two it happens at the end of season two because it happens a few times where because it's not just necessarily (laughs) this one is sort of choosing jace over the the concept of finding the mother however we have also been told that the cup and the mum finding those could be the potential solving of a new genocide. So you're sort of choosing Jace over genocide if we want to get into it, really. It's not a great choice. And yeah. that happens a few times. It's not, not, it's not great. But love is selfish. Love is silly. Love is selfish. Love is, is a, it's, you know, it's romanticized so massively, but like it's stupid. It makes you do stupid things. And what's irritating about it <laughs> is I would love, I still want to do it. I still want to be in love. I still want, I love being in love and I still want to make these stupid choices, even though I know they're stupid (laughs) choices, you know, even though I know that I would like throw myself in front of a speeding juggernaut to save Decca. Yeah. Maybe not a speeding juggernaut, but a toy car. I would definitely put myself in front of an RC car. (laughs) I won't tell (laughs) you. Is that is that how you measure love? Is what, what you level of car in front I would throw myself in front person? of? Yeah, I think so. So you're not quite to speeding bullet train or like you know totally nuclear. When missile. this episode comes out, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'm going to get yelled at for this one. <laughs> it's all right. She'll just kill you at mafia, and it'll be all fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fine. But yeah, Clary makes the choice. She saves yeah. Jace somewhat. This is one of my favorite Harry delivered lines, which is a book line, I believe, is. Is he okay? Jace is lying, obviously motionless on the floor. And they say, is Jace okay? And he says, I don't know, does he always lie on the ground like that, totally still, whatever the line is? I yeah. think I have it here. <laughs> Harry has so many of these lines. I know. I And wh- you know what I would imagine is the writers saw this episode 
and saw how he delivered them and went, that's gold. We've got to give him as many of those as we possibly can. Is he going to be okay? I don't know. Does he normally just lay on the ground without moving? So funny. So funny. (laughs) Such a brilliant, such a brilliant line and so brilliantly delivered. And then, then we are sort of out of our, of our demon and our, our last hope as, as it were mm-hmm. gone into the ether, lost. Yep. Clary's memory has gone. Demon is gone. Everything's gone. Except. Except. Kat, tell us how the episode ends. So except we have the portal shard, which. Correct. Jocelyn so aptly says in episode one, think of me when you wear this. Which seems just like a sentimental, here's a gift to you, my daughter, as I'm about to probably die. And I'm throwing you through a portal to Lord knows where. Yeah. But in essence, Clary, that sticks with her. So she does end up touching the portal shard and thinking of her mother. And suddenly, as we were discussing earlier, dreams, visions, etc., she sees Valentine. Not her mother. But not only does Clary see Valentine, Valentine sees Clary. Yeesh. Portals are right a two-way street team. You can go in and out of portals. With the cold stare of Alan Van Sprang and says, you want your mother? Give me the cup. And on that, we end our episode. We end our episode. Wow. A a lot happened. A lot happens in these episodes. A lot happens. No wonder we were so tired at the end of filming season one. Just a lot happens all the time. It's true. It's constant. But thank you, as always, everyone. We have a lot more in store. I just watched episode five yesterday, and I'm very excited to talk about a lot of the stuff that happens. You have your first uh, Bow Star fight in episode five. Yes. With Matt. <laughs> and we settled a great debate. Do Shadowhunters sweat or not? Which we we'll do. discuss next week. God, we do. That's <laughs> because right. Because of that scene. Yeah. We, and, oh, which also reminds me, we meet Maris for the first time in the next episode. We yes. meet the lovely Nicola. The wonderful. Who I have been calling Nicola Corelli's mandolin for the entirety of knowing her, and that's just not her name. <laughs> Nicola Correa de Mood. That's it. Is her it's name. not Corelli's mandolin, but that's what I've been saying. <laughs> I've told Nicola this, which is just a silly thing, but that's how I've I described her. But we should we ask to meet Nicola her. if we can tell the real story of your first interaction. We should. I bet we can. I think we should we, ask her. I think it's public anyway. But we should yeah, ask her. But we should double I bet check. We could get, I bet we could get her on fairly easily to, to discuss oh, this to first interaction because it is, it is fun. It's a fun. It is great. And it's the werewolf episode. It is the werewolf episode. That's right. It is. And we get our first like cool John Woo, like 360 shot of the team all together. You know, mm-hmm. that's in the next episode as well. Anywho, that is all for next episode. Make sure you tune in. We will be discussing all things episode five, all things werewolf, all things Nicola Corelli's mandolin. And that is that is going to be next week. Thank you, as always, so much for listening. And for those who watched, I hope you enjoyed me falling almost out of my recliner chair. Lots of love, as always. Take care. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming with us into the fray. And as always, thank you for returning to the shadows. Return to the Shadows is hosted and executive produced by Catherine McNamara and Dominic Sherwood. Our executive producer is Ling Lee. Our senior producers are Liz Hayes and Diego Tapia. And our producers are Hannah Harris and Kristen Vermilia. Original music by Alex Kinsey and performed by Alex Kinsey and Catherine McNamara. The episode was mixed by Seth Alansky. Return to the Shadows.
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.